right, welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 149th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 555th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 5th, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moments. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, oh. This week's Banner Moment occurred on Wednesday night at a time when Indiana wasn't even playing. Because this week's Banner Moment isn't about Indiana, per se. It's more about the other teams in the college basketball universe that Indiana will be competing against this season. And here's the realization I had about these other teams on Wednesday night, one night after Duke, fresh off its home defeat at the hands of Stephen F. Austin, pounded preseason number one Michigan State in East Lansing. And around the time that a three-loss Purdue team was shellacking supposed top-five Virginia and a balanced but not outrageously talented Ohio State team was destroying supposed top-ten North Carolina. The realization was there are a whole lot of good teams out there, but are there actually any great ones? And if the answer to that question is no, then how far is this Indiana team really from not just being an NCAA tournament team, but potentially one that could actually make some noise in a wide-open field if they get in? Now, I know what you're saying. Let's actually play a game away from Assembly Hall before we start making plans for March. And don't forget that there are toddlers out there who have never even seen Indiana in an NCAA tournament, and fair enough. But after 320 minutes of basketball, during which our competition-adjusted computer rankings have steadily risen into the top 25, I think it's safe to say that, at a minimum, we have a good team. And here's something important to remember. It's so easy when you hyper-focus on IU to see our weaknesses and vulnerabilities. But it's easy to forget that those weaknesses and vulnerabilities don't exist in a vacuum. Another team still has to be good enough to take advantage of them. So when you step back and look at everyone else in the conference and around the country, especially the so-called elite teams, suddenly we don't look all that far behind. And if the college hoops landscape really is as wide open this year as it appears to be, well, then why not us? No, we're almost surely not good enough this year to hang a banner, but it sure is starting to seem more and more feasible that we'll be ready to compete at a higher level than previously thought, in part because the next level may not be as far above us as anticipated. And with so much of this roster projected back next season, plus another solid yet still incomplete recruiting class on the way, Archie Miller does seem to have this IU program on a slow but steady path toward being really good again, which hopefully is a stepping stone toward the return to greatness that we all pine for. But in the meantime, in this new era of college basketball, really good may be good enough to believe you have a team capable of doing something special. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the Leonard Hamilton of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and the world's most fun-loving bracketologist. Well, it's been a fun week, Jared. Let me tell you, this is fun. This kind of game is fun. This was fun. All right, well, this was fun. Andy, let's have some fun. What's your bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball? I assume that you mentioned Leonard Hamilton because I, I continue to not really show my age like Leonard Hamilton, who I believe yes. posted one of those like 10 year apart pictures and basically looked exactly the same online, <laughs> which was fantastic. Um, you know, when when you step back and look at the game, it was it was an exciting one to talk about in the immediate aftermath. And I think I found myself in some cases I feel like we change our opinions a lot after the you know immediacy 
of of the game. But I think that even looking at this one, I, I walk away even more impressed when you go back and you look at some of the circumstances around it and continue to just go back to the fact that IU was playing a really short rotation for the majority of the second half and in a tough physical game felt like where a relatively inexperienced team that wasn't getting a lot out of their, out of some of their veterans, you know, guys like Al and Duran who were, Al was a big part of the game, but didn't have one of his better games. Duran's a guy that we've talked about so much, really expecting him to be a big part of the team. And, and so some of the guys that you would have expected to get performances out of and need performances out of in a game like this, you didn't have, but you had Devante play so well. Justin Smith continued growth. Trace being better than anybody anticipated so far. Armand stepping up in big moments. Demizi stepping up in big moments. And it was, it seems remarkable to kind of look at that game and the way that it was trending for a little while and, and look at the guys who helped pull them out of what was a game that, I think most people would argue last year's team would have found a way to lose. Uh, maybe you'd argue last year's team never would have been ahead that by that much in the first place. But um, it, it it's it's exciting. And while yes, we don't know what a trip to the Cole Center holds and and all the things that are yet to come on the season. But I think it's exciting uh, to look at what this team did in in key moments in a tough game. They were certainly bolstered by the crowd, but. Uh, just continue to be really impressed with how they played in that game and, and think that it uh, hopefully leads to, to big things in the future and the schedule, as we talked about, kind of building up to all this. So it passed the test of getting through November undefeated, passed the first test with a big opponent. Now it's time to play away from home for the first time for the next two games uh, against some challenging competition as well and uh, see if this team can, can rise to that occasion. But I think um, the signs are positive for where this goes and uh, if everybody ever gets healthy, if that can ever happen, you know what this team could really look like at full strength is a uh, is a good thing to think about. And to my right, he remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach, and it's not so I have a mad crush on Coach Roberts. Coach. What's on your mind? <laughs> Man, Coach Roberts can get after people on the sideline. That just made my day. Besides the great win, besides seeing Assembly Hall, the crowd going crazy, Coach Roberts just holding court on the sidelines. This is great to see. Uh, you know, we got to be happy. What a, what a great performance on, on Tuesday night by the Indiana Hoosiers. And a couple things really stood out in that game. One, uh, the collective team defense – uh, for the entirety of the game. There was a stretch to start the second half where Florida State made some adjustments, went to a smaller lineup, and really spaced the floor. And Indiana gave up some quick uh, threes, but they found it again. And, and that leads me to the second point is I thought Indiana handled adversity really well, from not having Rob at the very start to having uh, some runs made against Indiana once they established the lead. And that was really good to see uh, a, a somewhat relatively – inexperienced team be able to handle that in, in front of national television and their first big crowd. And, you know, going into the Wisconsin, everyone, you know, I got tired of hearing on the show, Oh, Indiana hasn't played anybody. This is their, their first time. Well, Indiana's just played. Oh, did all they, seven did of, they mention that? Yeah. Oh, seven of their, weird. their teams were in a row, which is, <laughs> you know, out of the ordinary, but most teams play five, six or seven of those types of, of teams. Louisville plays eight this year. If you look at Louisville's schedule and no one says that about Louisville, 
and, and so there's another first uh, going on the road and it makes you nervous as a fan but if they can handle adversity within the game it leads you to believe that they are going to be able to handle some adversity uh, as we go on the road and face other uh, types of adversity so that that's nice and then the big mark for me is 20 wins I think 20 wins puts Indiana in the tournament and we might have higher expectations now after seeing them play and and thinking that we're a lot better than what in the we thought in the preseason but 20 is that magical mark Indiana has to go 12 and 11 the rest of the way to get to 20 and I think that should be easily achieved so I'm really pleased with with the direction of what's going on I put together a little uh, clips of Demisi playing outstanding defense and if he grows defensively that is just a huge plus for this Indiana basketball team and Armand uh, we thought would be ready in January. He's really ready at the 1st of December to play major minutes. Those two guys really stood out. That didn't get a lot of box score uh, coverage from the game Thursday night. But it, or Tuesday night, it was just, it's just really great because I thought we were behind the eight ball without Rob uh, against that pressure. And boy, everyone stepped up, next man up, and got the job done. Those clips that you mentioned, part of your regular Coach's Corner uh, features that you've been doing, those are normally just inside of our private community at assemblycall.com slash community you can learn more about. But I actually posted that one publicly on Twitter. So if you go to our Twitter page, uh, at Assembly Call, you'll see that video Coach did running down Demise's defensive improvement, some great hustle plays by Armand, and then just you know kind of gawking at Devontae's incredible shooting, which was you know fun to relive. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to talk about this week. Big game on Saturday. We're going to talk about keys to victory over Wisconsin. We'll make some Big Ten predictions, and then we got a whole bunch of mailbag questions. They're all good, so we're going to get to all of them. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about tickets. You know, you have a lot of options when it comes to where you get your sports tickets, and this is not an industry that is known for its growth, innovation, and customer friendliness. But with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there's a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and instead start enjoying it like thousands upon thousands did at Assembly Hall on Tuesday night. Just look at the App Store. SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews, and the reason is because they deliver a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 with a color-coded system to show the value. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Then they display the tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I find it to be the fastest, easiest way to find tickets. So whenever I need tickets, whether it's for a concert, a sporting event, whatever, SeatGeek is what I use. I just got a text from someone, a super IU fan, who said he has fifth row seats, five rows behind the bench uh, for the Indiana game at Wisconsin. If you're anywhere in the area... Get up there. And if you want tickets to that game, any other IU game, go to SeatGeek to find them. Um, and when you do that... Get a brother, get some coupons. Yes, you can. SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. Okay, gentlemen. So IU Wisconsin this week. It's at Wisconsin. Uh, quick pop quiz. Does anybody remember what year Indiana last won a game at Wisconsin? No. Anybody? I, I know this one because you talked about it on podcast on the rink and two because it's in the run sheet. So, I mean, oh, well, that's true. Coach, I, were you alive the last time Indiana won at Wisconsin? <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, <laughs> I was 16. <laughs> it was, I was a long I think time I ago. I was uh, what, 31. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, 
long it's, time ago. It's been a while, but this does kind of feel like the best chance that Indiana has had going into it in terms of what Wisconsin's bringing to the table. Because they are, I think, 60th in Ken Palm. They've really struggled. They're 4-4. Four and four. Now, they've won all four of their home games, but every time they've played away from home, they've lost. Obviously, we're playing them at Wisconsin, so you know I, that's obviously worth, worth noting. But I want to talk real quick about keys to the game and get your guys' thoughts on these. There's three that, to me, are really clear. One is guarding the three-point line. Wisconsin's only shooting 29.7% from deep, but they put up a lot of attempts. 44% of their field goal attempts are threes, and they have shooters with proven track records who are underperforming, and they're shooting better at home. In fact, in the win over Marquette, they went 11 for 23. So Indiana has to guard the three-point line. We know at times that's been a vulnerability uh, in, you know, in certain games, although overall Indiana's done a good job of guarding the three-point line. That's big. Crashing the offensive glass is another one. This is strength on strength. Um, you know, they're really good at not letting teams get offensive rebounds. It's been a huge part for Indiana. And one thing to remember here is, you know, Wisconsin is 348th in the country in transition possessions. They're not a team that really gets out and runs. So I think Indiana can really crash the glass. Obviously they still have to pay attention to transition defense, but Wisconsin, not a team wired to take advantage of that as much as some other teams might be. And then the other one, Andy, for me, that is really big. And it's a guy that you mentioned I think if Indiana is going to win, Al Durham has to have a big bounce back. I think we're going to have to make some outside shots, and I think he's a big part of that. I think he's going to have to play solid defense against their guards, who are, you know I think are, are probably primed to bounce back a little bit. And I think he's got to be the guy that pushes it in transition to get easy opportunities before their defense sets up. You know, one other thing to keep in mind, Devontae Green has really struggled versus Wisconsin in his career. And I don't know if that's just random or if it's a style of play thing, but he's played four games against them. He's totaled 13 points, has a couple of goose eggs, and has a you know one turnover every five minutes of game time. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. It's not the biggest sample size. And then Armand Franklin's a freshman. So I think you can your role players are going to step up more often at home as they did for against Florida State on the road. I think you got to count on your main guys and your upperclassmen. And to me, Al Durham is going to be huge in this game if Indiana is going to win. So to me, those are the three biggest keys. Do you agree, disagree with those? And do you have any others that jump out for you? I think those are three good ones. The The three-point shooting is an interesting one simply because, they, as you said, they've not shot the ball well from three at all. Uh, Bart brought that up when when he was talking to you and Alex this week. Right now, they're under 30% from three. But if you do look down... Uh, some of the guys that you mentioned, Kobe King has shown the ability to shoot from three uh, in the past. Um, actually, no, he's the one who hasn't. Sorry, I was looking at everybody else. Aleem Ford has been hot at times. Demetrius Trice has shot, you know, he was over 40% as a freshman, over 41% as a freshman. Now, he hasn't gotten there since then, but was 39% last year. He's 30 this year. Davison shooting about five percentage points lower than what he has. I think Pritzel's a bit lower as well. And it's one of those things where... It, we've seen teams like that get hot at IU by, you know, you see a few go in the basket, you give a few easy shots early and, uh, and things kind of go from there. Now, part of that I think is due to not having a a gravitational guy like Ethan Happ, where the defense last year was forced to make decisions about whether they were going to double him. And that really put teams into rotation. They don't have that Uh, this year. Nate Reavers hasn't played as well as everyone had hoped that he would. Uh, You guys discussed that on the show as well, just in terms of, you know, his ability to really post up and get deep position and, and make defenses react to him in the same way that Hap is. So uh, I think there's a little bit of, yes, there's room for them to go back to shooting the way that they've shown in the past. Uh, but outside of that, I think some of the 
quality of the shots that they've gotten in the past is a lot different than what they're getting today. So maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. It's a good point. And the other, the, the other one is really around the, the free throw component. Um, this will most certainly sound like a, a rant against officiating. Uh, and, and probably to a certain extent it is based on the, the history that we've seen. But uh, for Archie talking about after the game, this team is built around, you know, one thing it can do really well, which is get fouled. And Wisconsin is is continues to be a team that defensively doesn't put people on the line. They're 25th in uh, defensive free throw rate. So something's got to give there in the same way that you mentioned the the glass being a strength on strength type matchup. So that will be another one to watch. To, to think that IU is going to get into the 30s is a stretch by any means. But I think if you can get into the you know low to mid 20s, that's probably a good sign given the pace that Wisconsin wants to play at and, and everything that you'll have there. So uh, I do think from a, a physical standpoint, when you talk about Al, I think he matches up a bit better with uh, the guys that Wisconsin has talked about him, how he deals with contact um, other than the occasional Davison flop. I don't know how much contact he'll be, uh, he'll be receiving in that game. So I don't know how much contact well. there are on most Davison flops actually. So that's a, that's a fair point. Roughly the same amount as that foul that Justin Smith got called for <laughs> that, that, that awful flagrant foul that, you got called for that was ridiculous. He's a menace. <laughs> yeah, coach. Uh, keys to you for this you know, game. Uh, Andy's right. When um, what type of threes are they getting? And, and we we haven't watched Wisconsin. Haven't watched any film on Wisconsin. Are they getting open threes? Because last year you had to double hap, and and he was such a good passer at times too. They were getting some open looks. The thing that worries me is they're probably better shooters at home. Uh, they've struggled to win at neutral and on the road so far, uh, but they did beat Marquette. Uh, at home with some good shooting. That's going to be a concern. But that you don't have to – you can make a choice not to double uh, down low uh, and man up. I think that's that's an important – just the most important uh, point going into Saturday. And I think then how how is Wisconsin going to guard? Listen to uh, your podcast on the brink. Uh, you know, they're going to struggle with guarding big lineups in the Big Ten, it was mentioned. And so uh, are they going to be able to uh, stop the inside game, both on the glass, as you have said, uh, and can they keep up their strength of defensive rebounding percentage, but can they guard inside? And the other thing is I'm not sure they have guards. If, if we're if Indiana is really playing great defense, I don't know that they can really break us down. And, and I know the teams we played have not been great teams, but there's been some quickness uh, on the perimeter. And I think that um, I don't think a lot of quickness, uh, maybe it's deceiving with Wisconsin and they can uh, break people down. But that swing offense is meant to get an advantage in the post. And they, and you know, I'm not sure they can post other people against the guys that, that we're running in. And in the past, you might be able to post a Davidson against a, a smaller guard. And I just think that uh, those two things, the three-point line and then can we take advantage of getting that ball inside and pushing the ball in transition? I think we're the more athletic team, and you got to take advantage of that with pace on offense uh, to, to have more possessions in this game than let them slow it down in that, that swing. And I, and I haven't looked at Ken Palm's pace numbers or anything like that, but that would be they're interesting. They're slow. I mean, they're, yeah, they're among the slowest. Is it possible that this could be a game where if Deron Davis has anything to give that he could come through here? I mean, this to me is the game that I've been thinking games like this or where I've been thinking about Deron, you know, as I've been talking about Deron's going to help win us some games. Games like this seem to be the ones, you know, where they've got they don't have a lot of depth down low. It's a slower paced game. 
it seems like if there's if there's any type of game style that, that he's going to be able to play in, it would be this one. So I'm going to be pretty concerned if he doesn't get in at all and can't make an impact in this game. I the, think the, the pace, the pace I issue, I agree with. But Reavers pops out for threes, and he likes to shot fake and drive That's from the true. perimeter. And they run that swing where you just back screen people through and then step out, and anybody can be in that low post. They can bring Duran out on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, and looking at this, Reavers is taking, I'm doing rough math in my head, so that's dangerous, but probably about 30% of his shots have come from three-point range, and they don't really play anybody else. If you look at these minutes numbers, they they don't they have one guy over 6'8 who's actually played any minutes, and it's a freshman who's played 3.4% of minutes. So uh, I don't, if you wanted to bring him in, you better give him the ball every time and just punish the yeah. hell out of them. On that's the what inside. I mean, only for like 10, 12 minutes, you know, yeah, not a... I don't even know if you'd, you'd do it that much, but if you could do that and get Reavers in foul trouble, maybe you could continue to do that. But I, yeah, I think he, he's going to struggle defensively in that kind of matchup because there's not a, a clear guy that he, he would line up against. But it, it'll fine. be interesting. Look, to, I, I'll just stop trying to make to this see. happen. Okay. I will just stop shoehorning yeah. it in. It's fine. Do what you need to do. <laughs> I think your foul situation is good too because, you know, that's illegal to call fouls at the Cole Center. And that's just been one of the strengths, you know. <laughs> Ethan Happel will be traveling all day and they'll still won't call it. And he's not even playing, uh, but I do think that's honestly, that's one of Indiana's strengths. And if, if they're not going to get calls and I think I saw in the chat room that they only went to North Carolina state only went to the foul line 10 or so times uh, in that game. So they just don't foul uh, as well as getting home homer calls. Yeah. All righty. Well, coming up, we're going to talk some big 10 hoops. Have our expectations for the conference changed based on the first month of play And also, we go on the record with some statistical predictions in this week's Mediocre Question of the Week. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. That's all next. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the Assembly Call especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Thanks, Ethan. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all of the between-segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Guys, let's talk about the Big Ten, because it has been an interesting first few weeks. I think a lot of people were nervous after the opening week of the season you know, Big Ten, you know, kind of took some losses, didn't look that great. It's like, uh-oh, all right, all the naysayers from the offseason, they were right. And now, Andy, a few weeks later, Big Ten wins the Big Ten ACC Challenge, do a pretty good job in the Gavit games. You look up, and the Big Ten's got four teams in the top seven, you know, five in the top 13. Things are looking pretty good. And we'll get to what all of that means from a strength of schedule, from a you know potential bracketology perspective here in a little bit. But I'm just curious, you know, what you guys – what are your expectations now for the Big Ten? Because coming into the season, it was pretty much unanimous. Like, okay, there's Michigan State in a tier by themselves, and then Ohio State, Maryland below them, and you know, then you kind of get to some other teams. Have your feelings on that changed? Like, are you now putting Ohio State and Maryland up with Michigan State? Anybody else? Or are you not going to react that strongly to the first month? I've been really impressed with Ohio State. I think I, like a lot of people, are – keeping Maryland at arm's arm's length because of the the turgeon factor. Uh, But I, 
in Ohio State, a little bit of one of North Carolina's big guys goes down pretty early in that game. I think that's a factor. I don't know that that explains. Cole Anthony went out for a little bit too. I don't know that explains. You know, winning that alone is why you win by twenty five at North Carolina. I think they've been uh, really impressive. They blew the doors off of Villanova. Uh, already beat Cincinnati, who's not as good as they've been this year. So, if there's one that I would elevate and say if somebody else is going to win the league, Ohio State would be who I would pick based on what I've seen thus far. Um, Michigan state has been disappointing. And by the same, you know, I would struggle to, to pin all that on not having Josh Langford. There's more to it than that. It seems like, even though it doesn't necessarily uh, make a ton of sense. So I, I think they'll still be there when it's all said and done. And I do think those are, are probably still the top three teams, but I think the level of separation between them is different. And I think, the, some of the teams behind them have potentially started to separate. Everybody, to your point, had those three at the top, and then it was four through 11 were, were pretty jumbled up. I think you're starting to see a little bit of that separation where, where that larger group may be separating into a couple teams. And I do think some of the questions that people had about the league have been answered in the affirmative, like Michigan. There was a lot of questions about what they were going to look like. Uh, with Juwan Howard, they didn't play well at Louisville, but I think in general, there's you've seen enough to say they're not going to fall off the map entirely. That's been positive. Purdue had a really, really strong performance against Virginia. They've had some close losses to good competition, so despite the fact that they've got three losses, I don't know that that's damning uh, by any means. So I don't think they're going to, certainly not going to be as good as they were a year ago, but I think the quality is still there, and you know, Penn State's been relatively impressive. They could very easily be undefeated. They blew a big lead to Ole Miss and the NIT. And so I think that the, there's there's a lot of teams up there at the top that I think might be a little bit better than, than people expected. Coach, I think I saw you guys released a new bracket, right, for Delphi Bracketology? Yeah, you know, you got to take those with a grain of salt. We kind of just talked the other day and, and – looked at schedules and Ken Palm and threw something together. Um, but, but still, I'm just curious, like how many Big Ten teams were in there? Has that changed from what was there in the preseason? Yeah, and where do you kind of see Indiana fitting in right now? We, we had seven um, in this bracket and considered two others. So uh, I think there's, you know, nine, ten that, that are still obviously having chances of, of making it in. I think um, – and that was that was somewhat similar to what we started with. Uh, you know, I think we had Indiana at, at seven, and now we moved them up to the fifth team in the conference to get in uh, because of their Ken Palm numbers and their top seventeen win. So, so we we put them at twenty two on the seed list, uh, which is a sixth seed. Um, you know, Gary Parish had them seventeenth in his top twenty five and one. It's way too early to get excited about any of that. But I, I think the Big Ten has four. Uh, really solid teams. Um, you put Michigan up there in those three. I think you have to, even though sometimes winning in a three-day tournament, there's some there's some nuances there to you know Gonzaga being hurt and and playing their third game in three days and no scouting report and some of those things. So the wins are important and big for Michigan, but you also got to take that a little bit. But I think Michigan's for real. They're veteran guys, and I think Coach Howard's doing a nice job so far. And then I think you have four teams uh, that are really going to fight uh, for that next level. And that's Indiana, Purdue, uh, Iowa, and Penn state. And the top two are definitely probably going to be in and the other two are going to be sweating it out. Uh, I, and I think the potential maybe with the league being good of getting eight teams in, 
And then you have Wisconsin and Illinois teams that are capable of moving up uh, that so far have just kind of hung out in, in that middle a little bit. So I'd say seven definitely at this point. Uh, but if the Big Ten keeps winning in the non-conference and then a lot of quality wins, you could see them with the most teams in the tournament. Sure feel better about it now than I did a few weeks ago. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more when we get to the mailbag because there's a good question about this, um, you know, just in terms of strength of schedule and how this will impact what happens in Big Ten play. But we want to get to our mediocre question of the week. This is from our buddy Jay Horry. Uh, and we went on the record with some season-long predictions earlier in the year, and he wants us to go on record with some Big Ten only uh, some conference only predictions. Uh, so he said these will be added to the preseason predictions. Andy, you will be happy to know that you are currently leading the preseason predictions with 11 correct out of 14. Uh, Coach Ryan and I all have 10 correct. So congratulations, Andy, on your honor. Good job, Andy. Yes. Yeah. It's still early. But it is. Uh, okay. So these are only for the 20 Big Ten games. So keep that in mind. So here we go. Three point percentage. Do you think Indiana will finish over or under 34.5%? For context, we're currently shooting 36.1%. Last season, in conference games, Indiana shot 27.5% from three-point range. Every time I see that, it's a typo. And then I remember how awful it was watching the shooting. And I remember it's not a typo. It happened. Uh, Coach, what do you think? Over or under 34.5% from three? I think we'll be slightly over, and that's probably more wishful thinking than anything but i'm gonna take the over i'm going over for sure i i think for the most part the guys who should be shooting threes are the ones shooting threes so this has nothing to do with volume it's all about efficiency and i think we'll be an efficient three-point shooting team uh in big 10 play andy yeah i think it's a pretty good line uh when you look down what they've done in in games over the course of the year it's been Fairly sporadic, 45%, 21, 38, 39, 30, 32, 35, and 47. So it's been a little bit all over the map, uh, but I'll go over as well. I think uh, maybe they end up at 35. I don't think they blow that number out of the water, and it probably comes down a little bit from what it is now, but I don't. Uh, again, I'm kind of like Coach. I, 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 hopefully this isn't just uh, wish casting, but, uh, but if it works, uh, who cares? We need like degrees of over. Like I'm strongly over, and you guys are very meekly, mm. very, very true, very, very weakly over. Okay, number two, Trace Jackson Davis double doubles. The over under at seven and a half. Now this season he already has four of them. And for context, last year uh, Juwan had four in Big Ten play. Although he did have several games where he got the rebounding part of it, and then only had like eight or nine points, and a few of those were injury shortened. Um, but what do you think, Trace Jackson Davis? Over under 7.5 double-doubles, Andy. Uh, I'll say, I'm going to say under. Um, I just think that's going to be, as the physicality gets a little bit more, I, I feel like it's it's going to be more difficult. Um, and you could see, even against Florida State, he ends up with eight. He played a great game and had eight. Uh, only three of those on the defensive end. So if the offensive rebounding is probably what really swings that one way or the other. So I'll, I'll take. I'll take under, but I could see him getting six or seven. My gut instinct is to say under two, but I'm going to go against it and say over. Not just to be different, but more just as kind of like a peace offering to Trace for doubting the impact that he would have in the offseason. I'm going to go with him now. I'm sure that's going to mean a lot to him. So that's really, really you know, important. It's more for me than it is for him. I get that, but I'm going over. I'm going to believe in, in him. I, I think you make some very rational points there, Andy, and I think that's probably more likely 
but man, he's talented. And I just, I think he's going to get the minutes because I mean, you just every lineup that you want to make, you put him in there. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to trust his talent. I'm going to trust the minutes and say that he goes over. Uh, coach. I, I'm going to take the under, uh, meekly take the under. He finishes with seven. <laughs> Another meek under. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next I, one. Did you want to say something, coach? No, no, I'll wait. Okay. Um, okay. Technical fouls from Mike Roberts. Over under one and a half. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Give me over and under. I don't care. As long as he keeps going crazy. Um, okay. Let's see. Okay. Demise Anderson minutes over under 10 minutes per game. This year, he's already averaging 15.1 minutes per game. Uh, Coach, why don't you go first on this one? I think he's going to go over. Uh, The growth that he's shown defensively gets him more minutes because Indiana can definitely use his shooters. As Wisconsin's planning on sagging in this weekend, there's a guy who can extend the floor a little bit, and if he can guard, uh, I think you're going to see more than 10 minutes in Big Ten play. Would have been interesting to get this question before the last game against Florida State, but I, I think he showed a lot in that game. He really did. And so I'm going over too. I think we've all kind of been high on him in the offseason just based on what we heard about his work ethic and, and all those things. And it's starting to bear fruit and you're starting to really see it and improve play. So I'm, I'm over. Andy, are you believing in Demisi? This is definitely impeccable timing on Jay's part to, that for this question to come in now. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I, I will also take the over. I, I go back to he was one of the guys I led with after the game, just really what lift he gave. And we've talked about this a little bit with the lineup stuff where Archie finds somebody, a a group that he likes, something that that goes the way that he wants it to and really sticks with it. I think to him, a performance like what Demisi came in when they really needed him and played as hard as he did, played as well as he did defensively, carries a lot of weight in Archie's eyes. So I think it earned him a little bit of rope and um, chance it's more playing time. Yeah. Uh, Free throw attempts over under 25 per game. We're currently at 30 per game, so over under 25 per game, Andy. I'm going to try to figure out how many we're going to have to get in the other 19 games after we shoot four on Saturday. So <laughs> I do, you're going to have to give me a minute to do the math on that. Uh, I would, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I'm going to say under. I, I, I feel like in a lot of these early games, there's different points of emphasis and guys get stuck into calling fouls and then eventually by – mid-January Big Ten teams have broken out the steel chairs and are taking those to each other and going at it that way so I think it I'm going to say under Uh, I think it would be a great sign for the team if it ended up over that you could go into some of these road environments and still do that but I'll I'll say under yeah I would have liked to do some research on this and just kind of seeing where the you know where the numbers ended up the last few years for some context I didn't do that so saying under seems to make the most sense to me too uh, for exactly the reasons that you stated you Coach, did the same amount of research I did, so good. Yeah, yeah. Coach, would you like to meekly answer this one one way or the other? Yeah, I'm going to meekly say it's mediocre <laughs> night, meekly night. Um, I like Jay, so I'll just give a mediocre answer and say I'm going to go over. I think it's an emphasis Whoa. on this team. I think that the pace is going to pick up uh, even more when Rob gets back and can push the ball as a point guard, and, and I just think um, I need to differentiate and maybe get a sneak out a win. Okay. In this category. All right. Um, okay. Next one. How many times will Ryan complain about how late he has to be up, even though he's on the Pacific time zone? Over under seven and a half. Over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That was easy. I always take the over with Ryan complaints. That's uh, 
It's a good rule of thumb. Good, good call. Uh, okay, threes made by Devontae Green. Over under two and a half per game. He's currently at 2.8 made threes per game in five games, and he is shooting a scorching 51.9%. Coach, you are not allowed to give meek answers about Devontae Green. It's got to be all or nothing. Let's go. There's, no, there's nothing meek about Devontae Green. Over. He's going to be bit first team, second team, Big Ten. I, I made that a few shows back. He's got to hit more than... You know, two and a half per game, and if uh, Aladipo shows up, the over under six, I think, or five, <laughs> or whatever he hit the other night when Victor's in the crowd. Uh, I'm going over too. I think he's going to get the attempts. I think he's always been a more efficient shooter than people have given him credit for. Uh, his shooting has been pretty consistent and efficient for the most part overall. It's it's obviously some of the other decisions he makes that you know haven't been good, but yeah, I'm I'm going over Andy. Yeah, over for me too. Okay, that one was another another well timed one, but uh, I'll, I'll take yeah. over on that regardless. <laughs> yeah, I know Jay's really like you know all of these that we're really feeling good about right now. You know these were very 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 appropriately chosen, Jay. Uh, Justin Smith stocks. He made a, a new stat here: steals plus blocks. The over under is at two point two per game. Currently, Justin is at two point three per game. As a sophomore, it was one. As a freshman, it was point five. Those numbers seem insane given his athleticism, but it does show you how much more disruptive of a defender he is being this year. And obviously he's playing some more minutes too, but you know, you can all see just how much more impactful he is on that end. So coach, two point three per game. You going over or under? Man, as the season gets tougher to begin ten, I'm gonna go over. I just think he's been locked in for the most part, and he's been called out as being the best defender. And I think those numbers might stay consistent because of that. Yeah, I'm going to go over too. He's getting a lot more steals than he is blocks um, right now. And part of that's probably just because Trace is gobbling up all the blocks. But I feel like that number will go up a little bit. Um, and I just, I like the way that he's approaching these games. Um, and again, I, I think he's going to get, he's going to keep getting minutes if he's playing like this. So I'm going over. Andy? That's, ah, uh, boy. I'm going to say, I'm going to say under because I don't know that the blocks change a whole lot and there's aren't too many guys who are averaging over two steals a game. I just don't know that the blocks change enough. So the steals is what's really carrying him. I was trying to do some quick research, but uh, I was unable to, uh, to do that to see kind of what a, you know, standard number for that would be, but that, that feels a little high. So I'll take the under on that one. This one's really interesting. IU players on the all Big Ten teams, first through third team, the over-under is one and a half. I feel like this one would have been really easy before the season to say under on. Now it's, it feels a little bit trickier. Um, Andy, are you going over-under on one and a half? And this, this does not include honorable mention. It just says first through third team. And, and it's just a true five-man team, right? There's no... Extra play. It's just five guys per yeah, first big, second. Yeah. Third. So we're talking top fifteen players. Yep. Yeah, Big Ten does do some of the same nonsense that the uh, that some of the other leagues do, where right. they have eleven guys or whatever ridiculous things they have. Yeah. Um. Man, this is another well timed one because you just feel like I mean, I think if it's anybody, you'd if it's going to be over, it'd have to be Devonte and Trace, is what it feels like. So yes, that's ultimately. That's ultimately the question that you're that you're asking here. Uh, I'm gonna say, I mean, why not be a prisoner of the moment? Uh, I'll I'll say over, but I would be a smarter person if I actually went through and tried to uh, tried to go through and figure out who these people would be. But 
I, I did not do that ahead of time and why do it now? So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll climb on board and say, over. yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of play the odds. And I feel like that's under with one of those making it. And then one of those guys maybe getting honorable mention just because, you know, there's a lot of other good players in the conference having good seasons. So it, like they could be deserving, but it's just, you know, it, it becomes a numbers game as well. So look, if they do, that means Indiana had an amazing season. So I hope it happens, but I'm going to go. I'm going to take the safe answer and go under and hope to be wrong. Coach? I'm going over. Tired of meek answers. Okay. You've really done a 180. You really goaded him into... (laughs) (laughs) I I called Devontae, and I think Trace Jackson Davis, and I think if Indiana moves up into the top five or six in the league when they were forecast for eighth or ninth, you're almost going to see... The problem with going over is there's a lot of great players in the Big Ten, and and you got Michigan with three solid guys coming back, Ohio State, some of those top teams with some players there. The bottom guys, I I don't think Nebraska's going to get anybody on the top three. But um, So it'll be interesting. But if Indiana really achieves where where they're kind of headed to, uh, we might have a chance of getting two. All right, let's hit this last one quickly. Conference wins over under 11.5, the current Ken Palm – Conference record prediction is eleven and nine, Andy. But interestingly, only seven of the games are predicted with a loss. So obviously, if you know Ken Palm, you know that does the individual games, and that it, that often doesn't add up. It kind of takes into account that you may lose a few that you shouldn't. All that stuff. Um, what do you think? Over under eleven and a half. This would be a good time to. This has been a good time to prepare for things. Um, Ah, what the heck? I'll I'll go over. I'll say they'll finish twelve and eight. I don't think they're going to dramatically be different one way or the other. It feels like eleven and nine, twelve and eight when it's all said and done. I wish Jay would have given us how many games Rob is going to play in here. That would have been really helpful in figuring out this answer. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go over <laughs> two because I feel like ending this on a high note. I think you could argue it either way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just err on the side of optimism. I'm going to go over, uh, looking at the schedule today, I, I was hoping to go get eight wins at home and four on the road, and that puts you at 12. And really, if you can protect home court, uh, that, that's 10 and sneak out a couple. So I, I, think, I think the way we're headed, uh, a 12 and eight record would be, or better, would be um, right around the corner for us. I, I really believe in this team. All right, good stuff. Jay, thanks as always for that question. Always fun to go through those, and we look forward to seeing who wins at the end of the year. And we gotta get we gotta make sure Ryan goes on the record with those two. All right, coming up in our third segment, we're gonna answer your questions like we always do, including one about whether Devontae might be best suited coming off the bench, and how the Big Ten winning the Big Ten ACC challenge might affect IU strength of schedule moving forward, plus many others. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. This is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go Hoosers. Thank you, James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. All right, guys, we have a loaded mailbag 
All of these questions were submitted in our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, if you're listening on the radio and you want to hear you know, the rest of the answers, you won't be able to get to all of them. Um, you can go to our website, check out the podcast uh, where we'll do them at the end of the show. Uh, but let's let's hit this one. This is something that a lot of people have been asking uh, after his sterling performance off the bench against Florida State from Patrick. I think Devontae not starting is a great match for his personality and gives the coaches a chance to point out to him where they want him to attack. Do you think he will eventually be moved into the starting lineup? Coach, you know, we know some guys are kind of better suited to being that guy off the bench. To me, I think in an ideal world on an ideal team, Devontae probably is like your first guard off the bench providing that spark. That's not really what we projected for him this season, given the roster. But do you think he could eventually settle into that, or do you think he'll get back into the starting lineup? Well, Devontae, I think, ended up playing 29 minutes. Uh, so he got starter minutes, even though he didn't play. And as long as he's okay with that, I could see him coming off the bench. And it might be that he gets the game flow. He gets to see what the other team's doing and where to attack and how to attack. And that keeps him more focused, and we see more good than bad. Uh, however, I think you you got to play – your best guys to get off to a good start. Indiana was down 11 to four. I think a couple more uh, bad starts. And I really think, you know, Archie said he was hobbled uh, after the game. So I still think he's limited in practice. And I think Archie's given the guys who go full go and practice a chance to start knowing that he'll, he'll play Devonte and Rob as much as possible. And when they get fully healthy, I think that's when the question really will be answered. Did it look like he tweaked his ankle a little bit at the end of the Florida state game on like one of those final plays? Hopefully that's nothing nothing to worry about. I mean, he stayed out there and was moving around, so hopefully not. But, hey, we'd be forgiven if we over-worry about injuries a little bit with how things have gone. Um, okay, this question from Rob, and it kind of dovetails with what we were talking about earlier. Uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge, Big Ten 8-6 and six with some great wins. How do you think this will affect the strength of schedule for IU and conference games, Andy? And maybe you can talk about how you know the conference doing well like this it, it's really going to help all the teams in the conference have more opportunities for quality wins as we go through the season. Yeah, it's definitely a rising tide lifts all boats scenario when when the conference plays well. Uh, and I put together something the other day. I, I tried to update it before we got on here. So I may be off a game or two here and there. But basically looking at the six major conferences, how they've fared against one another. And in the aggregate, the Big Ten has the most wins at 22 in head-to-head games. Part of that is a function of playing in both the Gavit games and the Big Ten ACC, so they have had more opportunities uh, than others. But even from a win percentage standpoint, they're at about 54%. Uh, the Big East is the only team that's better, which is at 57%, but I, uh, but uh, the Big Ten has a 7-4 and four record over over the Big East. So all of those things are, are positives in the sense that it gives, uh, gives those teams a good base, um, allows them to ideally perform well in the metrics because that's really a bigger factor in the net. Some of the advanced metrics and things like that, you're obviously winning games if you're, if you're doing relatively well in those. So um, it does give a good chance. Ideally pushes everybody up a little bit. And uh, as much as it gives you a lot of chances for good wins, it also minimizes the chances for bad losses, which uh, will certainly be held against you. And I use managed to, to dodge those in the, uh, in the early season, as coach mentioned earlier, in, in cases where other teams haven't been able to do so, uh, it, it definitely is a positive. There's a handful of, of bigger games left in for conference teams, but not a ton. Uh, so they've done a pretty good job of, of setting a good floor for where they're going to be and, and performing well against other conferences compared to some others that are uh, below 500 against other major conferences. 
And coach, like you and I were talking about before the show, it's almost like the conferences spend their time in this non-conference, you know, kind of jockeying for position. And it's like, okay, you know, the Big Ten's got five teams in the top fifteen in Ken Palm. You know, as the Big Ten teams, your conference teams now beat each other, it's like one might move down, but another might move up. So it's like, you know, the net effect kind of stays the same. And that so that that's why these wins are so important, you know, to to improve that conference profile now, because there's not as much of a chance to do it later. Yeah, because then every game in conference is worth something and, and the losses aren't as bad as well. If you only have three or four, like the Pac-12 last year really struggled because they just, no matter who they were playing, they really couldn't find some quality wins to to add to their resume come selection time. So uh, that's it's kind of hard to root for some of these Big Ten teams in these non-conference games, but it does pay off when, when you win the Gavit games and you win the ACC Challenge and you, and, and you get some good non-conference wins. Uh, okay. This will be the last question we can get to. We've got about 30 seconds here. Andy, who has impressed you more? This is from Craig. Armand and his ability to step into the starting role and perform this well, or Demizi and his growth, especially on the defensive end? It's like making us choose between our children. Like, why? I know. Why make us make this determination? I, I would actually lean Demizi because I feel like he's improved a lot, even within the year. Uh, he struggled really a lot at the beginning of the season. I think he, we've even seen game-to-game improvement already from him. So I, I'd lean him. Coach, five seconds. Uh, What's your answer? Demizi with his defensive improvement easily. All right. That's going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing much of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you Saturday after IU Wisconsin. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Uh, okay. So I will answer that question as well. I like your guys' answers, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Armand. Um, and the, I don't want to penalize Armand simply because he kind of came in more ready to go as a freshman. Like, you know, Demisi kind of had further to go. So he has certainly probably improved the most. But I think it's really impressive how much Armand has been asked to handle. And for the most part, how well he's handled it. You know, kind of felt like he hit a little bit of a lull there, games five, six, seven. But man, he was impressive in that Florida State game in the biggest moment of the season. And he's had to step in and play more minutes than anybody thought. And there's just a maturity about him that I think is really impressive. So, you know, I, I love the baseline that he's starting from because we know from his mentality, his track record, and his work ethic that he's just going to keep improving. So I'm I'm really impressed with Armand. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I don't think there's a bad answer to that question. Good problem yeah. to have that you have two guys who have outperformed what you thought they would do. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, from Jim, which Wisconsin players concern you the most in Saturday's game? We hit on this a little bit in the in the opening one, but you know, Reavers is obviously the guy that is kind of their go to guy. I'm more concerned with Trice and Davison going off from three and our guards being a little late getting out to him. Um, that to me is how Indiana will lose this game. What do you think, Coach? Davidson, I, he, he's a guy you don't like to play against when you're the opponent, but if he's on your team, you, you like him, you know, despite the millions of flops that he's going to do. Uh, I, I think that kid just likes to win. He's played through injuries in the past. So, so I hate to say it, that's my type of guy. 
I just hope he has an off night and, and, um, continues to struggle from three, but that's the guy who worries me because I think he's a gamer and, and if he can find it, he can put a team on his shoulders, hit some crazy shots. And it seems like IU always brings out some of those in, in some of these games. What are the well, chances I, of him getting a flopping warning inside the Cole Center? None. Uh, yeah. One out of a million? Yeah, not not very good. But good. I, well, and I think all joking aside about the flopping, I mean, he with given IU's lack of guard depth, he he drew, he baits somebody into a charge or an offensive foul or two. Uh, it, it things can get interesting in, in that regard. They're not going to punish you with that from a pressing standpoint, but taking some of those guys off the floor would be would be big. So it only takes a couple of those kind of plays to do it. So he would he would be my answer as well. Although there's always like the the more obscure guy who would come in and do well. So you know maybe Pritzel shoots really well or something like that. I yeah. forget what the one dude's name was who went off in the Big Ten tournament who scored more points in that game than he had the oh, entire season or whatever. God. Or Bob Wilson, I want to say was his name, something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. I don't know. God. That game was brutal. Um, what was the most impressive win by a Big Ten team in the Big Ten ACC Challenge? I mean, I, I think I it's got to be Ohio State. <laughs> I, I would almost say Purdue. The, the way that oh, they were oh, able Jesus. to yeah. get... I would say it more not not their defensive performance was certainly good, but I think I think Virginia's still trying to figure a lot out offensively. They didn't have Braxton Key, but I thought for anybody to be able to score as well on Virginia as Purdue did, even with it, you know they they did it last year when they were a lot more talented offensively, but to be able to figure that out. So I I would tend to say them, although Ohio State was was potentially more impressive because it was on the road. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Penn State really blew the doors off of Wake Forest, though, so that can't go unnoticed. Just mm-hmm. kidding. No, totally kidding. kidding. I think Harms yeah. is largely a stiff. Did he make two three pointers in that game? I think I saw. Yeah, him. I saw. I saw him <laughs> make one, and then it they flashed something up that he had made like both of his three point attempts. So, all right. Well, we might have to retire that drop. Maybe, uh, maybe mm-hmm. Matt Harms is developing some skill out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, maybe he needs well, to develop some some cheers or something, man. He when he gets excited, that's just not. It just doesn't look right. A little, <laughs> all this stuff and everything. I mean, come on, be an athlete. If you're going to oh. pop your collar, pop your collar like a man. Let's go. <laughs> My gosh, I that hope- guy drive. I think, hey, I tell you what, when I've covered those games and he's in the media and I'm in the media room, there's no one better. I hate to say it than Matt Harms, the way he answers, mm-hmm. honestly. And he's just a s- solid young man. So I, uh, I you know, not, I, I agree with that. Really I was teasing, actually, but. Now I, I agree with that. I was reading. Gets me. I was reading Dustin Dopierak's article about the Virginia game, and they had a bunch of quotes in there from Harms. And I actually thought to myself, I was like, "Man, I was like, if we had a player saying this kind of stuff, we'd be all over it." I mean, it was just, you know, this is just one game. You know, we've got to really, you know, make sure that this is the start of something. You know, or else it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be meaningful. So we give Harms a hard time, and rightfully so. But I actually, I do. I, I have grown to respect him um, the more I've gotten to know about him. Um, okay, let me. You do the next question. I got to go wash my mouth out with soap after <laughs> a little. Light myself on fire now that yeah. we said that. Good. I'm done. <laughs> I'm back to being meek. Yeah. Um, if we win on Saturday, where will IU be ranked? Anybody? Uh, on, Andy. I don't know. 18. <laughs> I, I mean, that'd be quite a jump, but it, you know, a lot of the, you know, the people who do their daily rankings like Parrish and I think Norlander had Indiana, maybe 11th, 
when he did his. Yeah. So I mean, there's yeah, he you know, Indiana's his jumping up on some of these. Here, here's here's the truth about a lot of people uh, who look at everyone jumps to bigger conclusions than what the, the that was a nice win for Indiana. I do think they're pushing the top twenty five. A win at Wisconsin would be really good. They still got some things to prove and some things to work on. So I don't see them jumping up to the top ten just because they beat Florida State and a four and four Wisconsin team on the road. But I do think they deserve some recognition. I would say you know twenty to twenty five. With still some wait and see and get Rob back and be consistent and remember they were 12 and two last year before the wheels fell off. So it's going to be a long, slow season of just caution and patience uh, for a lot of us. But I, I do think they might get some recognition and pop in the top 25 um, uh, with the win on Saturday. Yeah, I think if people are really waiting to see if it was a mirage, what they were doing or not beating an ACC team at home by 16 and, and winning a game away from home, I think would help. So maybe 18 was a little bit much. Maybe 20 is really the ceiling for that, given where they started. But Good point I mean, from Aaron in the chat. He said Michigan jumped from unranked to four in a week, so 15 to 20 would not be unprecedented. Yeah. Good point. And, yeah. and everyone everyone then picked Michigan to beat Louisville because Louisville hasn't played anybody. Michigan beat three teams in the Atlantis you know, in a ballroom three days in a row, and Michigan got waxed. You know, <laughs> So now everyone's going to be down on Michigan. You know, this is just how it goes. Stephen A, you know, whatever happens is what's going to happen next. And there's no thought process to some of these people. Can we get like 30 seconds on playing basketball in a ballroom and your your thoughts on it? I got to cross the hallway to go to the locker room. That's not basketball. Basketball is supposed to be played at the palestra, at, at, at Assembly Hall, at Pauley Pavilion. Those are basketball places, not some ballroom. I agree. How about that? That's 15 seconds. It's, it's good stuff. Um, from IUDSW, why does race not play in the second halves of games? It's an interesting question. Um, I don't know that we've seen enough close games yet really to know this. I mean, I think, you know, I don't think race has played as well the last, you know, the last few games. So I think that's part of the reason. I mean, Archie has proven that he's going to give guys a chance to play in the first half. And then the guys that are playing the best, that rotation is getting shortened in the second half. You better have done something in the first half, or you better really do something when you get in in the second half, or he's not going to waste time with it, I, which I really like and really appreciate. And I just think Rays hasn't been quite as impactful uh, of late. And in the Florida State game, you weren't going to take Trace off the floor. You weren't going to take Justin Smith off the floor. And Demisi was the most impactful of the bench forwards that came in, and Archie's going to roll with those guys. So I think there will be a game, and it might come Saturday, where Race is that guy and plays ten minutes in the second half. I just think right now it's a small sample size, and you know he's again, you know, hasn't played a ton of minutes at the college level and going through some ups and downs. So I don't think it's anything more than that. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yep, I didn't read anything more into it than than that either. And I think as you start to play, most of the teams I use played right now don't have a ton of big guys, so it's easy to revert a, a bit to playing Justin at the three if you need to or playing a smaller lineup alongside uh he and Trace and so I yeah I, there will certainly be times I don't need, I'm not even sure that this weekend will be one of them given Wisconsin's relative lack of size but um you could certainly I mean that was who he played really well against last year so uh who knows there was yeah. some discussion in the in a in the chat room a few uh, shows back about um minutes distribution and then I, I played around with it it's not easy uh to to think about minutes distribution and and you want your better players to play close to 30 you know uh and some well, of them trace and justin are making it hard <laughs> and, and that, that, that's the point you made which i think was really good that if if 
some players are playing good. Archie's not going to take him out just to get minutes. There's not a structured minutes. If there is, it might be in the first half, but he's going to play the players who are going to give Indiana the best chance to win. And, and so it's going to be interesting to see those guys are averaging 13 to 15 minutes a game. You know, that's just six minutes, a, six minutes a half. Maybe you get eight or nine in the first half and then only three or four, but I, I agree with you. I like it. Um, it makes, know, I mean, it, it makes, makes guys have to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if somebody's going to shy away from that, it's not really a guy that we want in the program. You know, that's not a long-term fit. So I know I, I like it. It's nice that Archie has options and it's nice that he's got some horses out front in that starting lineup, really setting the pace, you know, credit to Justin and, and Trace because they're really doing that. They're going to make it hard to take them off the floor. Uh, let's see. Same old questions about Rob and Duran. I'm assuming that's health stuff. I don't know. Apparently Rob practiced before the last game. You all know this. Then he sprained his ankle. I'm, you know, I'm not assuming he's going to play Saturday if he sprained, you know, if he hurt his ankle. I don't know. Maybe, you know, Joel's been out there scouting when he, you know, le- enters cook hall, when he leaves cook hall. So maybe, maybe Joel can tell us how he's walking. Um, but I'm just going to assume he's not going to play in this game and then be pleasantly surprised if he does. We talked about Duran already. We'll see. I don't, I don't know what to expect there. Um, what does the Florida State win do for recruiting? I don't think that win itself does anything for recruiting. I think it can be a springboard to a successful season, which would then do something for recruiting. But I don't think that win in and of itself does anything in particular for recruiting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that anybody was there. I think it's a case where the only thing that game in and of itself does is if you get somebody in the building when it's rocking like that, might have an impact on somebody. But I don't know that I saw reports of people really being there. So, Yeah. Um, The only thing is you, you win in the ACC Challenge. That's a big win. I mean, that, that's going to be bigger than beating Arkansas, and I think that might get a recruit's attention more than than beating someone like that um, because the ACC Challenge Week. So, you know, Except not, for the not fact that, that it got – like, it, it was big to us, but when you have Duke beating Michigan State and Ohio State doing what they did, like, our win did get lost in the shuffle a little bit in terms of profile. But, but. if a recruit's watching Indiana and wants to see them win – yeah. that's the first that's that's a big first step that's yeah uh, where they can absorb a loss now because um you lose that and, and there's some doubt that creeps in until you get that next big one and i don't know that that next big one's till maryland yeah no that, and that's what i mean like it's it's a it's a good step a good first step joel said he's been walking gingerly an obvious limp so just get well rob get healthy man okay last two from luke most of the questions about the current team have already been asked. Oh, so I'll go with a fun one. Oh, yeah, this is a fun one. Would you rather have IU make every NCAA tournament from now on out and never make it past the Sweet 16, or would you rather IU make it once every five years, but we would make it to the championship game every time? <laughs> I mean, it's impossible to fathom a program that would be that inconsistent, but then make the championship every time you did make it. So it's an absurd question, but you know, some of these questions at the extremes are fun because it shows what you value. So, Coach... Never make Man. it past the Sweet 16, but you're in the tournament. You know, if you knew that, it would really take the fun away from it. So, like, yeah, it would. <laughs> it would yeah, kind of depend just, on how much how a, much you knew. No, no offense, Luke. It's just a tough question. <laughs> you know, you want to be in a tournament. Uh, I mean, there, there's just some seeing your name called on Selection Sunday, seeing the matchups, taking work time off work, or watching at work, or whatever you have to do to get the game watched. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I could, I don't know these three years without it. I can't, I could not see four years, even if you went to the championship game, although that, 
Yeah, but that's the thing. This, if you, it depends on the information that you have. If I know we're not going to make the Sweet Sixteen or get past it, then making the tournament has a little bit less luster. And we're about banners, so give me the chance to make it to the championship game. If you can tweak the question a little bit differently, I could see going with the with the other one. But given how this question would was asked, I'm going with make it every five years, but make it to the championship. Yeah, that's. I would say that. I would say that as well. Like you said, based on what you, yeah, it would depend on what you you knew. But uh, I can imagine all the kinds of questions that we would get if IU made it to the tournament and never got past the Sweet Sixteen every year. That would be a delightful oh, experience. Yeah, answer. what would that be like? <laughs> I, I like I like Luke. I'm not sure I like that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, Coach coming in hard with the audience criticism here late in the show. <laughs> I like Luke. That's just too tough a question for a Thursday night. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Luke, come on, man. If you're going to pop your collar, do it Do it like a man or whatever. <laughs> okay, last question uh, from Bill. What pieces of the team that don't jump out, unlike needing Devontae Green playing up to his potential, which is obvious, do you think will really matter the most when we get into the heart of the Big Ten schedule? In other words, what don't we think about that we ought to be thinking about that will really help define this season's success? He says, I'll give you one to start with. Armand Franklin is going to have to give us 20 largely quality minutes per game all season long. I attribute that to Coach being particularly adept at gearing his guards up for extended play because he installs his style of play in his guards, i.e. his recruits. So what is kind of a, you know, I guess like an underrated storyline that we haven't talked about a lot that is going to be really important for Indiana's success? Andy? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for doing this for me first. It's really, really nice to be <laughs> And he likes Bill, but he doesn't like this question. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the question. It's, it's it's the order in which the question was was asked. Um, that, that is a, that is a good question. I, I, the Armand one is it becomes interesting. I, I'm going to go similar in the backcourt and and make it a little bit more about Al. Uh, That's right. I was going to go with it too. Maybe this is, again is a in the same way that we were maybe prisoners of the moment in a positive way before. Um, you know, they, they need him to be, I, I don't, I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say they need him to be what, what he was in some of those early games when he was scoring, you know, 21, 18, 17 points. Um, but there's also three games that he scored six or fewer, uh, out of the games that have been played so far. So I think it's getting, Maybe it's just ten a game, somewhere in the middle of those performances, but knowing that that's what you're going to get from him on a night in and night out basis, and him being able to continue to shoulder more of the load, because to tie that in with the Rob stuff, which really is where the Armand piece that that Bill brought up comes into play, is if you get yourself in a situation where he's not available or not 100 percent, or you know all the things that we've we've kind of seen from him thus far, the amount that you need from Al and from Armand becomes bigger than anybody thought it would be at the beginning of the season. And right now we're harboring these thoughts that Rob is going to come back at some point and be at a certain level. And and we don't know that. And if that doesn't happen, it really puts the onus on, on a guy like Al to be a consistent night in night out contributor um, from a, a point standpoint. And I, I think the same thing with Armand. So I guess I'll say that. Breaking news. Louisiana tech has defeated Mississippi state. At Mississippi State, solid win for a team on Indiana's schedule. Um, I was going to go the same place you did, Andy, with Al. I think Al 
we talked about this on the postgame show, really struggled in the second half. Struggled at times in the first half, too, but his teammates picked him up. Devontae and Armand really picked up Al offensively, and it made his I mean, almost complete lack of production in the second half. And it wasn't just a lack of production. It was a real lack of willingness to confront the Florida State pressure and be adamantly aggressive, which I think he has to be offensively for this team. You know, there's going to be games where our, you know, Devontae's not going to score 30 and Armand's going to play more like a freshman and Al's going to have to be that guy. I think one of those is going to be Saturday. So that to me is a storyline. Worried about it before the season just because of Al's track record a little bit. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see as we start playing more physical teams if he's able to find more consistency than he has. Because as you said, until Rob gets back, he's, you know, he has to. Um, so that to me is something that's really going to be worth watching. Coach. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another one out there too. Is production um, from the bench in the post? Um, you know, you know, all freshmen sometimes hit a wall. We've been very impressed with Trace Jackson Davis. He's getting major minutes, but if if he gets stopped or the defenses go there, you know, Joey's had some nice um, games, but he's struggled at times defensively. The, you know, Duran hasn't been able to get out there yet, and we just talked about race. His limit, his minutes getting limited because other players are playing well. What happens when those front court guys struggle? Uh, you know, Demisi has stepped up. Armand has stepped up at the guards for an injured Rob. Who's that guy that's going to step up in the post? Should we need it if Justin TJD come back, regress a little bit to the to the mean? Because uh, we we need better production, I think, from those three. Brunk has been nice. Uh, but Duran hasn't done much, and, and, and Race has been competitive and, and a good rebounder, but he's going to have to do more too. Which, which one of those is really going to pick up the slack when, when it gets tough for the, for the uh, post players? Yeah, the other one that I would say is just Jerome Hunter's development. You know, it, it's been easy the last few games to, to overlook. You know, like it was such a novelty when he first came back. It's like every single move he made was hyper-analyzed. And he hasn't been as productive recently and hasn't been able to get in the flow of the game. Unfortunately, other guys have. But I think of all those guys on the bench, the one that has the potential to change the ceiling of this team is Jerome Hunter, if he can really develop over the next couple months. So I think watching him and seeing if he can take some small steps toward getting comfortable offensively would really be huge for this team just because of his talent level. And maybe it doesn't happen this season, but that's a development that could really, really impact this team. Because if he starts playing the way that you know, he was playing last year in practice before he got hurt and like he projected as a recruit, it's going to be real hard to keep him off the floor. Right now, it's been easy to keep him off the floor, but that to me is something that I'm going to keep watching each game, even as the minutes are a little bit smaller, does he start to show some signs of getting there? You know, Indiana's what, 20 and Ken Palm, 8 no, and, and Rob hasn't played very much, and he's not only a great distributor, but he can score a little bit, and then he can defend. He's our best perimeter defender and you got a, a bench player in Jerome who hasn't even touched his potential yet and he has the ability to put the ball in the basket and both of those guys are going to be needed as defense is set up uh, against the inside game and take away some of the inside game so sitting at 20 and Ken Palm 8-0 and, and one major piece that we know about and one one piece that's still in the, in the very much of an early development stage it, depending on how soon they get back and up to speed that could really impact uh, this Indiana Hoosier basketball team. Yep. All right. We exhausted all the questions. That was a loaded mailbag. Thank you all for those questions. Uh, I don't care what Joel says about them in the chat. I thought those were good questions, and we appreciated answering them. Like, 
<laughs> and he, he I don't even care what coach said. I think all the questions were good. I appreciated them all. And all, all the I appreciate them too. I don't want to get anyone <laughs> mad, but and that's tough. Sixteen, sweet sixteen, or every five years. I don't you know how many years I have left. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how many years I have left. So you know, I'm getting up there in age. <laughs> I got to get to the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> you you young guys got another 40 50 years to watch indiana basketball yeah yeah but at the at the current rate that would be like 10 tournaments and i uh i, I need more i need more than that all right thanks everybody um saturday we'll be here so i get so andy you're gonna be here and i think ryan's gonna yeah. be here for that ryan wouldn't miss a wisconsin postgame show it's guaranteed, a tip off so guaranteed okay. rant about the officiating just know it's coming I don't know if there's ever been a, an IU Wisconsin game where Ryan's initial rant hasn't been something to do with officiating, especially at the Cole Center. Well, Always. Ethan Happ was there ever since we started the show, so we've never really seen in our you know eight plus years or what? That's is not nine, the case. Nine? The refs would have called it. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> that man is a liar. So we. Can... <laughs> <laughs> So who knows? We'll see. Maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll be singing a different tune after the game. I hope so. Hopefully, I sure hope so. All right, everybody. We will talk to you on Saturday. See you guys. Good night, all. all. See you guys. Thanks. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense let me be straight with you this is a radio commercial for three small business insurance with three your entire business is covered so while you can't see the following scene just know that this contractor's business is protected by three hey toss me that drill yeah man heads up expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense